Previously on Survived by One, Tom Odell detailed the control his mother had over her children. Survived by One, The Life and Mind of a Family Mass Murderer by Robert E. Hanlon with Thomas V. Odell. Episode 4, The Cycle of Violence. In the wake of the Odell family murders, a single portrait of the family, taken within a year before the murders, was circulated and accompanied by many of the front page stories. Fourteen-year-old Robin would have probably grown up to look like her mother. Robin had her mother's dark eyes, oval face, and dark hair. They even had similar haircuts. The two younger boys, Scott and Sean, and their father, Robert, smile for the camera. Scott has mischief in his eyes. Robert anchors the picture with his arm around his wife, looking every bit like the everydad. It could have been the nature of the lighting in the original print, or the fact that a color photo had been transferred to a black and white image, but Sean's face glows brighter than the rest. He absolutely beams. His smile, his countenance, his square-shouldered posture make him stand out from the rest of his family. Nothing in his expression provides a single clue about his home life. Despite the social restrictions his mother imposed upon him, Tom clearly experienced and enjoyed some of the standard social activities of youth. Summer was always the same. I longed for baseball season to start so I could get out of the house for a little while. By the time I was 11 years old, I had made the Little League faction of the City Baseball League. I was given a uniform to wear, which made me feel really big time. I was also good enough to be picked for a team, and I was given an actual baseball uniform to wear. Also, I had come in second by one point in the City Cub Scout track meet. Although my dad only saw me play baseball one time, he tried to come and see me play a few other times. But the coach didn't play me because my mother had called and complained to him about me. So he sat me on the bench a lot after that and told me that if she ever called again, I would be kicked off the team. I knew I was better than a lot of the kids on the team, but he wouldn't play me after that. During the time I was involved in the Cub Scouts, my mother was a den mother. I never liked that because it was as if she became two different people. During the scout meetings, she was actually cool to be around. But when there were no kids around, she was the same old mother I was growing to despise. My grades were average, I guess, because I never really tried. I felt no matter what I did, I could never win. So I just did the work and that was it. However, a lot of work I never did because I rarely brought work home to do. That was the number one complaint by my teachers to my parents. They always said that I never applied myself. And if I did apply myself, I could be a straight A student. I just didn't care. At home I was isolated because my sister and brothers were too young to play with. So I spent a lot of time alone doing jigsaw puzzles, drawing in my room, and listening to the radio. Whenever I went into the living room to watch TV, I was told to get out. My sixth grade year was a disaster. Me and this kid Mark got into about three or four fights, and I got suspended a lot for the fighting. But I really didn't care. The teachers were people I didn't like at all. They used to call all the kids by their first name, except me, because there were two kids with the name Tom. So they called me Odal, 
and they called the other kid Tom. I asked them about it one time, and I was told to sit down before they called me something else. But I was also on the school patrol in the sixth grade. We stopped traffic and helped the kids cross the street. I enjoyed that because I was always pulling the captain spot on the draw of the hat. So I was always in charge, it seemed. I guess I needed to feel some sort of purpose for being, and that was it. Captain of the school patrol at Horace Mann School. My brother Sean had some sort of blood problem that caused him to go into Children's Hospital in St. Louis. During that time, one of the family members on my father's side got caught bribing my brother with some candy to tell him about my mother's treatment of the kids. This caused a huge separation in the family to a point where my cousins rarely came around the house at all because of my mother. And of course, my mother turned me against them all by telling me they were no good and filling my head with lies, or so I found out years later. So I never really knew my uncle, aunt, cousins, nobody. They had some reports on my mom because she was always talking about how she hated my brother Sean. She got pregnant too soon after having my sister, and she had her gallbladder removed. She just used all that against Sean. I guess when I look back on it, I resented Sean too. I resented being made to take care of him. As we got older, I vented on him somewhat because my mother made me take care of him. It wasn't his fault, but he paid for it anyway. I look back now and feel ashamed of how I treated Sean sometimes. I was the person who took care of him most of his life. I was always the person who told him to always say that I had made him do things that would get him beaten. Yet, he took some punches and endured some wrestling matches he shouldn't have. I loved baseball, and I used to love going to my grandparents' house to listen to the games on the radio with my grandpa. I loved that old man, and I think he loved me, or at least he cared for me more than he did his own daughter, my mother. He did a lot of time in World War II, and we would talk about it sometimes. He even had stuff from the war, and I used to love to look at it. He would let me get a beer every now and then, but not too often. We would have to sit on the back step because my grandma allowed no smoking or beer drinking in the house. So, in the summer, he would have a cigarette and a bottle of Budweiser, and of course, I'd be right there. Then my mother started shipping Sean to my grandparents as often as she could, just to get rid of him. That prevented me from going out there as much as I did before. I understand now. But then I didn't understand that I hated my brother Sean for it. I really believe that my mom played me against Sean. She knew how much I loved going out to see my grandpa. My sister and I were as far apart as two people could be. I never really felt anything for her, to be honest. I don't even know if I liked her or not. The age difference didn't help either. It was only about five years, but at that time, it seemed like a lot of time. When we saw each other in school, we never waved or even acknowledged that we knew each other. I don't know if that's normal or not. The concept of the quote-unquote cycle of violence is a widely accepted and frequently cited theory regarding the effects of child abuse. In The Cycle of Violence, about the intergenerational transmission of violence, Dr. Kathy Weedham reports, among adults who were abused as children, between one-fifth and one-third abused their own children. 
The counterpoints to such findings are that many children who have suffered abuse do not become abusers, do not manifest violent aggressive behavior later in life, do not commit criminal offenses, and do not kill their families. However, rarely are aspects of human behavior simply constituted by direct one-to-one -one cause and effect relationships. Many variables collectively define the complex matrix of human thought and behavior. Genetic makeup, personality traits, moral development, neuropsychological abnormalities, psychiatric disorders, observational learning from role models, social learning, peer influences, and the selective reinforcement of specific behavioral patterns during childhood and adolescence. At the age of 11, Tom began to finally experience some independence from his mother. I went on to the seventh grade and met a whole bunch of new kids. It was sort of a fresh start. I just tried to do what I could at school to be accepted by somebody. As it turned out, the kids who accepted me were the kids who smoked and did drugs. I thought they were the cool kids. We used to sneak off campus and smoke during lunch, and then go back to school or ditch if everybody was going to go. I really liked woodshop class. I felt like I belonged in there, and I liked the teacher because he would give me step-by-step -step instructions. He would even show us how to make something and then tell us to make it without any help. I liked that a lot because it was something I could do on my own without someone breathing down my neck. At about the same time, I had to start playing an instrument, the violin. My godmother played the violin in high school, so my mom made me play it. I was in the school orchestra, which was not a cool place to be but I endured it and tried real hard. We even won some musical festival when I was in the seventh grade. I don't remember too much about it, except that I was nervous and tried my best. To me, that was cool, but my mom couldn't have cared less. She shrugged it off like it was nothing. When I hit a game-winning home run in Little League, I got a pizza, but nothing for that one. I had a paper route at the time, also. I was able to buy my own television, a 12-inch black and white, but it was mine and I paid for it. I was also able to buy a good radio and a new bike, and finally, I could do some of the things I could never do before. I would keep most of the tips and never give them to my mom to put in the bank deposit, so I had my own walking around money. My mom started going out more at night around that time. I would be left in charge to babysit the siblings. I was not allowed to go out, so I would stay at home while she went out and did her running around. She was on a bowling league on some of the nights, but I really didn't care what she was doing. She was out of the house and she wasn't there. I would feel so relieved when she was not around, like a weight had been taken off me. Nothing really changed though, because I was pretty much in charge of my siblings anyway. I had to fix the meals and clean the house, pretty much like some live-in maid, or at least that's how I felt at the time. When I got to the 8th grade, I stopped playing baseball. I had tried out for the school baseball team and I made it, but my mom told me that I had to quit, so I quit. I was too old to play Little League, so there wasn't much left. I went out for track, and since the coach never cut anybody, I made the team, but I never ran a race. My mom had a friend who had a kid my age. We would go over there a lot, so he and I became friends. We were on a younger bowling league that bowled every Saturday morning. 
I was pretty decent, so was he. We used to compete as to who had the best series and the best game. It was cool. I used to spend the night at his house sometimes. He lived by the mall, so we would go to the mall to hang out. I was getting some freedom for the first time, and it felt good. I had two paper routes by that time, and I was doing really well. I was mowing yards, raking leaves, shoveling snow, anything for extra money. But I was buying record albums, playing arcade games, and not saving anything, as I really should have been doing. My dad got me a used 8-track stereo with a turntable, so I was happy and really getting into music. I remember one time me and my friend Rod were raking leaves in his part of town, and we were burning them. The other kid that he knew said he would jump over the fire for a quarter, but when he did he fell in the fire and got burned a little. It wasn't anything serious. He singed his hair and got some minor burns. But we got in trouble because we gave the kid a quarter for attempting to jump through the fire. I got caught smoking by my mom at our 8th grade party, which was just before graduation. She made me smoke a whole pack of cigarettes, one right after the other, until I was sick. At about the same time, I got jumped by some black kids because I wouldn't let them take my bike from me. I got beat up pretty bad, but I still had my bike when it was all said and done. Afterwards, I felt that they had jumped me because I was white. I still believe that I was introduced to racism that day. I never knew what racism was up until then. At the time, it seemed like they expected me to give them my bike because they believed that they deserved it. I never told anyone I got beat up by black people. I always said I fell off my bike doing a jump. I didn't want to make a bad situation worse and cause even more trouble at school. From then on, I had a bad opinion about black people. I didn't hate them, but I didn't want anything to do with them. I always thought of getting some sort of revenge on them for beating me up, but I never did. I did okay in junior high school. I started finding out about sex a little bit, just some touching and kissing, and not much more than that. My grades were the same as always, average without even trying. I kick myself now for not applying myself, because I think I could have become anything I set my sights on being. I just couldn't get past the lack of recognition or approval from my parents. I wanted so badly for my mom's approval, and I never got it. I never heard her say she loved me, except once after a beating when I was five. I never heard her say that she was proud of me. I never heard my father say those things either. I don't know what it was about her, but she did not seem to be able to say anything favorable. I know she was raised in a somewhat similar situation in which there was hardly any emotion shown, but damn, did she have to ruin my emotional state also? All of us were screwed up when I look back on how things were at home.